Welcome to the UFSA podcast. We'd like to acknowledge that this podcast is produced on the unceded, ancestral, and occupied lands of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. For today's episode, I spoke with Nick Dudar, a friend of mine from film school, who has worked in the art department for productions like Altered Carbon, The BFG, War of the Planet of the Apes, Welcome to Marwen, and many others. We sat down in his East Van workshop and talked about how the world of the film's art department works, from props to production design, and the influence of the art department on how we watch films and see new trends. We hope you enjoy the conversation. All right, thanks for joining me today, Nick. Uh, today we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the art department and production design, which you have some experience with, I've as I understand. Done some stuff. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> yeah. uh, so just to kind of get started and uh, situate ourselves a bit, I wanted to talk about production design generally. I think that's something most people have heard of. Mm-hmm. Uh, because of the Oscars and uh, things like that, but they don't really know so much about it. So what is the structure of the art department in general? How do all the different pieces fit together? Um, yeah, no. Uh, so working in the art department, I mean, it covers a lot of ground. That's the interesting thing I find about it is that uh, it covers a lot of different categories. Um, props, set deck, you know, early design, all that sort of stuff that all comes through the art department and the production designer. So anything to do with like the physical look of the movie goes through the art department, which I find a very interesting thing because like I said, it covers a lot of different aspects, which makes each production uniquely interesting in its own way. So starting with the production designer, you know, you go down the, uh, the ranks, there's the art directors that work directly with the production designer. It's kind of more of a managerial thing and less of actual design but still incorporates all that sort of stuff and then through there you filter down to things like set designers so set designers obviously have the ultimate uh you know if you're really into architecture and things like that set design is a very interesting field um one of the ways i started and uh further down the line you have anybody that works in props as well that's all covered under the art department and then what else you know even down to scenic sculptures and things like that that all that all comes from designs that we we work on in the art department and so most of the stuff that uh the smaller groups like i don't know like props or sets would come from the production designer who like the production designer working with the director director. yeah kind of the chain of that. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you were talking about set design, and that's kind of how you got started, or at least where you've done a lot of your your work. Yeah. What are the different positions you've held in the art department? How are they different? I, I started I started right down from the very you know entry level, which is you know the the PA of the art department, art department assistants. Um, that's that's essentially where I started um, out of film school. I got lucky. I was one of those people in film school who actually had a teacher that liked me and who worked in the industry. And uh, she was the one that uh, hooked me up with my first job as an art department assistant because it's actually funny. Like in film school, I didn't I didn't take the production design course because I knew what they were offering. And it was like a Photoshop course in addition to a little bit of like drafting and things like that. And I was like, what the fuck? I'm not I'm not going to spend my time doing a Photoshop course because I already know Photoshop. What's the fucking point of that? Um, I did regret it in the sense a little bit that I didn't learn drafting right off the bat, mm-hmm. but you know I learned some software through the through the you know the general time at film school. But yeah, it was because of uh, the teacher who knew that I had excellent Photoshop skills, and I wasn't a total fucking you know 
You slacker. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she was okay with me uh, coming on to uh, a low-budget independent film that she was doing as the line producer and recommended me to the production designer. And the production designer uh, took me on as an art assistant, and I was doing graphics and a little bit of set design for them early on. And uh, that was my first job. So after that, I did a couple more jobs as an art assistant and then eventually managed to get upgraded to being, you know, a set designer where I was actually doing, you know, things like location plans and actual set designs and, you know, drafting and things like that. So uh, set design was the uh, the next logical route. And then eventually, I think it was several years of off and on set design, off and on uh, art department assistant. before I actually became an assistant art director, which was the next logical phase. And then more recently, the past couple of years, doing art direction. So, so let's like, walk me through a little bit of, of each of those things. So like as a set designer, mm-hmm. what, uh, what like, specifically, what kind of things would you be doing? It varies dramatically depending on the production, obviously. Is it just finding, play, like finding good locations or is it building things? It's, it usually, it's usually they already come to you with a location that the director likes and then okay. we, have to, we have to make it a fucking police station or whatever it happens to be right you know we'll have a location no matter where it is uh that they like and they think that yeah we could do a police station here or something like that well then it's the set designer's job in order to actually make that into a police station you know set designer graphic designer set deck you know uh there's a lot of different moving parts there in order to actually make that that place work for what we need for the script so so you have a, like it sounds like you have a like a lot of leeway at least like you know you have to turn this into a police station or whatever yes. it is you have the constraints of whatever the location is but from there on you it, get to it, kind of like, play around yeah you get to play around but always working directly with the production designer or the art director uh, usually the production designer directly it, it it depends like some production designers are really hands on and they like to work right. with their set designers and they know exactly what they want other times they leave it up to their art directors it it, it can really vary. And then moving up from uh, from the kind of set design to assistant uh, assistant art directing, right? Yeah. Uh, so walk me through a little bit of assistant art directing. How does that, how uh, does that world work? That's when you start getting into more managerial stuff. Um, a lot of set design, you rely on doing you know construction drawings, stuff that you can physically build. It's almost like you're an architect, like a shitty architect, <laughs> uh, you know, one that uh, has to last for a few days yeah, as opposed for, yeah. to several, yeah, like decades or whatever. Yeah. So with art direction, you're working more directly with construction and the other departments, you know, things like props and things like that. Uh, you're making stuff work. Um, you know, you're, you're dealing with more schedules and timelines and things like that as well. You know, as opposed to a set designer, you don't really have to worry about budgets and timelines. Well, you do have to worry about timelines, making sure your stuff is, like, you know, ready to get built. But that's about it. It doesn't go much beyond that. As opposed to once you get into assistant art direction and art direction especially, you know, you're dealing with budgets. you got to make sure you have the right amount of money in order to do the things that you want to do um, while still, you know, making it work for the production designer. What positions so far have you enjoyed the most? Or has it kind of been like your level of enjoyment goes up as you go up along the ladder? Or is there kind of it's about certain departments that you like? It's been 100% production-based. It depends on the production that you do. Right. Uh, You know, like I had... My first art direction experience was a nightmare because it was ultra-low budget. It was super difficult. Uh, There were... Timelines were absolutely insane. And... uh, you know, certain departments were making things very difficult. Um, obviously, I don't want to get into too much detail, yeah. but it's it's really it really depends on the production. 
Um, I did like early in my career as a set designer and my first set designer jobs were on low budget action movies for fucking WWE of all things. That was some of the most fun I've ever had. And that was mainly because of the people that I was working with. Um, the scripts were, they were what they were. (laughs) They were, you know, no one was winning any awards for those scripts, but, uh, it was, it was super fun to work on. And it was like, you know, a summer job. And, uh, for the most part, you know, our, our, our schedules weren't too crazy. So we weren't working obscene hours. You know, we were working normal film hours, but, uh, for the most part, it was just enjoyable all around because of the people that I was working with, you know? I wasn't expecting anything to, to win awards, and I didn't really care about seeing the movies, but working on them was a lot of fun. Well, speaking of uh, awards, as you moved up the ladder, you've gotten into some productions that have uh, maybe not won awards, but have been uh, a little bit more in that direction. Yeah. Uh, let's, uh, for our listeners, walk through some of the some of the films you've worked on and maybe some, some highlights you've had from, uh, from your career, some of the things that you've enjoyed the most. So, as I was saying, I was uh, early, my first set design gigs after that... I took a, a step down to go back to becoming a uh, art department assistant just so I could work on some of those bigger films. Um, I got offered to work on the Warcraft movie, which in North America was an absolute failure, but uh, apparently did well enough to, I'm sure they'll do, do a sequel at some point because uh, it was so goddamn successful in China. But, uh, you know, that being said, watching the movie, it was very silly and really strange and uh, not something that I was into as a fan of the game. I wasn't, you know, into it at all, but uh, I knew the sets were going to be massive and I knew it was a huge budget, so I was like, yeah, I'll take a step down to work with people that I've never worked with before and on amazing, huge sets. So Warcraft was my intro to, like, large budget movies. Yeah, Yeah, it was a huge fantasy movie. Um, I knew there would be... A lot of massive sets, and there were, you know. We were working out in Burnaby in, in, uh, at CNPP, one of the big uh, uh, production areas here in Vancouver, or studios, rather. And, uh, yeah, we built some absolutely massive sets. What was it like seeing those sets on, like, in the finished film for the first time, for, like, the it, first kind of big production? It was super cool, yeah. It was really awesome. I mean, I was still kind of holding myself back because it was hilariously bad, you know, in terms of plot and characters and all that sort of stuff but it it was visually visually it was awesome and yeah being on those sets physically and then seeing the final product you know what with all the set extensions and visual effects and all that stuff that went on top it was uh yeah it was a really cool experience and then after that uh with the same team moved on to bfg which was a spielberg movie and that was mind-blowing you know here i was still relatively new to the business i think it was like my second or third year and uh, I got to watch Spielberg work and, uh, you know, all the people that he brought with him, which was absolutely insane. So it was super cool. Did you feel a difference being on, like, a Spielberg set as opposed to, like, a Warcraft set? Is, is there, at least in terms of those, like, the de- the departments that are kind of a few steps removed, do you feel that difference? Uh, like- no matter what, if you're working on a Spielberg movie, you're working on a Spielberg movie. There is such a... Uh, he has such an entourage and a, I guess it's like a feeling about him and uh, all the things that go on in a Spielberg movie that it's, it's ultimately going to be unique no matter what. You know, Warcraft was like, you know, here's Duncan Jones, the director of Warcraft, who's, you know, famous in his own right and has done some amazing movies, but this was his, also his like super, first, his first ultra high budget yeah. film, which seems to be like a formula for whatever reason. You take someone with a couple indie 
movies and then give them shower with money. Yeah, here you go. See what happens, and you know what happened was Warcraft and nothing special. But um, uh, with Spielberg, it was a different feeling altogether because it was you know it was the whole Spielberg. All the money that yeah. comes with it, all the people that come with it. You also know you're kind of in, like, even if it's the worst Spielberg movie he's ever made, it's yeah. still in Spielberg's hands. You're still in a, exactly. a, a pretty solid production from someone who's been around for a while and knows what they're doing. Well, that was one of the things, too. It was really interesting. We finished ahead of schedule, uh, and he was so efficient at all the things that he was filming and the things that he wanted to do, um, obviously knowing that a lot of it came in post, but, you know, that it neither here nor there we had a schedule and we came in ahead that's like that's crazy yeah. that's the only movie that i've done where that's happened yeah. so there's something right there you know it's interesting like i don't know when you talk about films you don't really look so much at, like, when you think about filmmakers as artists and you kind of look at the end product yeah i don't know i just i don't think people consider quite as much how a experienced filmmaker is also a great manager a great technician right like just the fact that spielberg comes in yeah on time as opposed to other people like doesn't surprise me yeah well he's so uh, efficient at it something you don't think about he's done he's done it so much that he can he knows how to do it properly and uh and and i think the main thing as well is having the right people with him you know because it is who it is uh he's gonna make sure that he has like you know the best of the best and everybody had what they needed, and I guess it was more than enough to finish on time and ahead of schedule in our case. You know, so that was pretty wild. Um, yeah, I think those are the two, some of the two biggest movies in terms of budget that I've done, and everything else since then has been lower and TV and, you know, uh, but interesting in their own right, you know. Very recently you were working on Welcome to Marwin as yep. well. Yep. How does a film like that, if I think of, you know, something like the BFG or Warcraft as these kind of big set piece films that mm-hmm. are very art department heavy, yeah. right? And Welcome to Marwin makes sense as something that would be yeah. art department heavy, but it's still like a smaller scale story. It's kind of like a small drama, really. Yeah. That... What's the different vibe between those two types of productions? Well, that right there, I mean, that one's, in terms of budget, is significantly less, yeah. you know. Uh, it doesn't cover as much ground either. Yeah, we go into, like, the uh, this fictional universe um, inside this little town that uh, uh, Marwin was based around. Mm-hmm. Um, but that one, I feel like, you know, just because of the budget alone, that obviously scales it back, you know. Um, yeah, it was a Robert Zemeckis movie, which was, you know, incredible in its own right, but it was significantly scaled back in terms of the entire production, but the story alone didn't need it to be this big, wide-open, sweeping sci-fi or anything like that. Um, I think, I think, you know, it really comes to budget a lot of the time, and that one, that one was an obvious one, being, uh, I don't remember what it was, I think it was like something like 60 million versus, I think, the two or 300 million that Warcraft was. Where you know? do you feel that difference in budget the most? Is it just kind of the amount of time you have to work on things, or is there, like, are there other ways where you go, like, oh, yeah, I'm not on a $60 million movie right now? Yeah, I think it's, it's time as well as just scope. Scope right. being the biggest thing, like, you know, your sets can have a scaled-back scope, um, if it's, you know, a wide scope like Warcraft was, it was, I felt like we had all the time in the world, even though we didn't. Um, and, you know, being an art department assistant, I was not feeling, you know, like the art directors, I'm sure, mm-hmm. felt that push. But at the same time, it was like, you know, you're doing, you're filling an entire 
basically like airplane hanger with a, a single set, um, you know that you have the time to do that. You know, mm. that is written into the script, that's written into the budget, um, you know, it's kind of obvious. Whereas you go into something like Marwin, where it's significantly scaled back and it's like, this is our set amount of time, this is what we have to do, uh, let's do it. Can we do it? And, you know, you do every time, but. I'm also interested, as you were mentioning, uh, how you kind of just sort of got into the art department through film school, maybe not like the thing that you were setting out to do. Yeah. Just sort of worked out. Now that you've been in various positions in the art department, do you watch films differently? Do you see things differently? What are some of the, if so, like what are some of the things that you pick up on now yeah. that you didn't before? Oh, I definitely ruined movies. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the main thing I noticed is all the foam. Um, there's so much foam. Does it drive you crazy? It, when you're... Yeah, because you see all the fake rocks and the fake brick, and because we do like all most brick in film is not actual brick unless it's an actual location. It's always like uh, CNC cut foam, and you know if um, God, there was a, a friend of mine who's been working in film for the past I don't know thirty or forty years or something obscene. He uh, he always said that you know the, your scenic painters and your painting team they can make or break a film. Mm. And that's what I realized it's true. If you see something that is foam, that is painted well, you know, you can, most people don't notice. You know, I'll notice, but that's about it. Um, whereas if you have a bad taint, paint team, no matter what, your painted foam looks like painted foam. You know, good, good paint team, you can, they do, do it so well that you, you don't even notice. You know? do you have, have you had any of those moments where you've noted you've noticed something that you're pretty sure no one else would notice but you're only noticing it because it's so well done you're like oh shit that's a good job yeah like whenever I watch Game of Thrones I, like most yeah. of the rock is felt you know all that rock is it, there's, it doesn't make sense for them to actually build it out of rocks you know they're gonna do a the uh, side of a castle out of foam because it doesn't make sense to make it out of rock it's just too much work um, but yeah uh, that is definitely something I notice. Um, and I guess nowadays, too, one of the things is like, you know, looking at a set and, re and seeing how much is actually real and how much is actually visual effects. Because mm. a lot of times we build like only a small portion. Right, you can kind of see like where it cuts off. Yeah, where's the set extension? Where's the digital set ex extension? And a lot of movies nowadays, I don't, I don't even notice. Yeah. You know, it's gotten so oh, good. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. gotten Because yeah. yeah. I feel like even. I feel like that's something I notice a lot in older movies. Mm -hmm. and we pointed out a few times. And we're like, you mean oh, like a matte the, painting? Yeah, that's where the matte painting starts. Yeah. But like sometimes you can even see the set mm -hmm. and like the set bleeds into the matte painting. Yes. And there's just like a certain amount of joy of being like, well, that's a beautiful matte painting. Like, exactly. No one thinks it's not a matte painting. Yeah. But it's, nice. but it's a good one. Yeah. 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 Um, whereas nowadays there's, I feel like there's a bit of, there's, it's so realistic, a lot of it. Yeah. Like, uh, what was that Fincher? Was it Fincher? The Gone Girl? Yeah, Gone Girl. Um, a lot of that was like all digital set extensions and like the entire house, even a lot of the exteriors was all on a stage and I didn't know. And I remember seeing like a behind the scenes at one yeah. point and I was like, what? Like I, I was blown away. Yeah, it's, it's crazy how much visual effects and production design has come into things that probably maybe 20 years ago you'd just go find a location for. Yeah. Like why would you build a yeah. house when yeah. you could go find a house? Exactly. Now it's like, no, let's control everything. Exactly. What it comes down to is control and being able to like also change things as, as things evolve in like the editing room. 
What are some films that you've really liked for set design or oh, yeah. in their art department that you've watched? Uh, like usually sci-fi. For that? Yeah, like high, sci-fi. high 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 concept sci-fi and fantasy. Um, like Blade Runner, obviously, was incredible. Uh, things like Children of Men, you know, where you're designing like a dystopian future or something like that. You know, something that doesn't exist in reality is like amazing. It's like I love I love those concepts where you think about where we're gonna be in you know a hundred years or something like that, and you get to really run with it. Like that's that's the magic of movies to me, and uh, yeah, the art department and production design is such a huge portion of that. And you've worked on Altered Carbon, so yes, some sci-fi stuff there, and obviously Warcraft with fantasy. Yeah, I was interested in asking like when you're working on those kind of projects and you have to come up with something that's never existed before. Yeah, right, like some just some tools some well, that's, like what how do you how do you even go through that process well the the thing is it does like uh, altered carbon a lot of it was uh, referencing um, uh, blade runner like that was a huge part of it. it was like a lot of our reference came from blade runner and uh, as unique as we like to think we are i really don't think that um, you know a lot of stuff that we see nowadays is actually mm-hmm. completely brand new i don't know it's uh, it always seems like we're referencing something, which is there's not absolutely nothing wrong with that because you get to like you get to reference something, but you get to expand upon it as well, which ultimately makes it new. I think a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean everything kind of gets rooted in something else. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. can you think of anything that's like, well, what? That's a sci-fi where something's completely brand new. Like, I, I really mean, like, can't. I don't know. Not really. Like, is even Star Wars is just samurai. You know. Yeah. You know, the swords are just. Well, and light swords now. Exactly, but right? it's it's also the same. You know, they're just milking the same thing that they've yeah. done since the original movies. It's like, hey, let's reference the original stuff. Right. And, yeah. Then yeah, if you get become a franchise and you just start referencing yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So is not not exactly new, is it? Is it? Is it kind of fun to be able to pick what you want to reference from, or like when you kind of have the freedom, like, oh, I I, I need to come up with whatever thing it is. Mm -hmm. You kind of go back to some favorites or something. Yeah, usually, um, you know, I'll go back to classic sci-fi, you know, things like Outlander, you know, anything with great miniatures, I'm always, yeah, you gotta, you gotta appreciate that sort of stuff. Um... Yeah, I think we were in Altered Carbon specifically. Altered I remember. Altered Carbon knows so much about what was it? Well, that other Sean Connery movie. Oh, that, which one? Uh, Zardoz. Oh, Zardoz. There's so much of that in there, too. Yeah, like, a little bit. In the plastic bag. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's a good point. Sean Connery might be in it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can definitely say for sure that we were definitely referencing Outlander a lot yeah. in, uh, in Altered Carbon and like uh, some of the like uh, hotel design, like people's rooms and things like mm. that there was uh, definitely some outlander flying around which was pretty awesome outlander uh, the obvious one being blade runner but uh um the cool thing about that was uh working on that one is the odd time that someone will give you a sketch of something that they have an idea for and i get to like extrapolate on a sketch and make something that we actually built so that was that was pretty amazing we've been talking a lot about like sci-fi and fantasy um and i do remember once watching what was that once upon a time in america or uh yes because of a uh, uh colleague in the art department recommendation yes has um period pieces does does that interest you in any way or is it actually a lot yeah yeah yeah, absolutely rife with the art department potential yeah going anytime that you get to go back in time is always really interesting it's just you know hopefully you have a budget for it i did i did one film that had not not a budget as a period piece and we were doing period piece stuff and it was like Ooh, yeah, that was 
difficult because uh, <laughs> it's like you know you, you want it to look good and you want it to be legitimate but guess what being legitimate costs a shitload of fucking money <laughs> um but anyway uh if it's done correctly yeah absolutely you know uh i think period pieces are super interesting uh you know anything that scorsese usually does as a period piece is pretty fucking phenomenal you know it all depends how far back we're going you know uh, what was that new victorian era era movie uh that yorgos did yorgos oh yeah the favorite yeah, yeah apparently that, that one's fantastic yeah. and i'm sure the design in that one is phenomenal i've only seen you know the previews and things like that but that's one i want to check out yeah i think uh as long as you have a great you know costume designer and a great uh art department you can do a, a period and the money to do it you can do a great period piece what staying within the art department what would a dream project be in yeah whatever scope is it just kind of the larger big budget productions or well you like a smaller drama you want something that you're interested in at the yeah. same time i mean i've kind of given up hope on that in vancouver unfortunately but <laughs> we we do we do some good stuff but uh not very much um you know like Denis Villeneuve is doing Dune right now. That, to me, would be the ultimate sci-fi to be working on right now, and I am absolutely jealous of any person that is currently working on the new Dune project. So that is, yeah, I think that's probably the the be-all, end-all for sci-fi and design right now. Um, Where's that shooting? Hungary, I believe. Yeah. yeah. Budapest. Because uh, yeah. Arrival was supposed to shoot here, wasn't it? Yeah, actually, it, it was, yeah. I have friends who read the script, and uh, they were looking for studio space, but uh, Vancouver being uh, the TV capital of North America, it <laughs> seems, uh, all the studios were filled with uh, with TV. And uh, they had to move to, I guess it was Toronto instead. Yeah. yeah. What a great movie. Well... Vancouver not only being the TV capital of North America, but also... Sorry about the noise, by the way. There is a train, uh, like, going by. Such as as the joy of these fans. Yeah, living near the port. (laughs) Whatever. But, I mean, Vancouver being such a hub for productions that aren't necessarily set in Vancouver, that are supposed to be wherever the hell they're supposed to be, and often sci-fi. Have you noticed anything about the architecture of the city or the look of the city that's kind of bleeded into... The look of everything that happens to film here well yeah yeah like vancouver is often uh seattle vancouver is often san francisco uh altered carbon we were playing it as san francisco uh but it was like it could that could have filmed anywhere really i don't think it really matters it's not like we were using those uh uh i forget what they call the uh the houses but uh there's a certain look of the san francisco houses that are all along the hills and whatnot but um it's not like that was ever shown in altered carbon but uh but yeah in terms of all the other stuff, I would say dramas and things like that. Vancouver is San Fran. It's uh, often Seattle. You know, it's often Pacific North Northwest. But it's you know you can play it as anything really. Do you ever have to do work that's specifically meant to make it look like? You need to do something to make this look like San Francisco. Go find the things about San Francisco that would really sell it. Or yeah. Is it kind of just like this is San Francisco and uh, you know. It'll, it'll pass. There's a bit of that, but yeah, more often than not, it's got to be pretty specific. Yeah. You know, we want those houses to look like they're on the hill in San Francisco or, you know, the Golden Gate, Gate Bridge is not that far off. And, and what we'll get is we'll often get something with, like, an ocean view and then they'll, uh, they'll photocomp in, like, the, uh, uh, or visual effects comp in the uh, San Francisco skyline or the Golden Gate Bridge or what have you. With, with Aldred Carbon, I, I did one of the sets, uh, 
I forget what it was called, but uh, it was on the Golden Gate Bridge. And I mean, it was just, because it was so far in the future, it was just all visual effects, like the skyline. So, you know, it could literally have been anywhere. Yeah, I do remember one shot in, uh, I think it was the first episode of Alter Carbon, mm. that it was just, it was the seawall around Stanley Park, but it was right. just like the corner of the bottom edge of the frame you could kind of recognize some rocks and the rest was just visual effects exactly and i was like i yeah. recognize that <laughs> i recognize 10% that 10 percent of the frame yeah exactly <laughs> uh but yeah that's more often than not is you know visual effects saves us and can make it wherever we want it to be <laughs> but you know that we still have that ocean view and uh, it feels like it can feel like san francisco and i think yeah there's been a few times where it really works so in in the art department is there, do you get much of a, is there much of a difference between working on a film or on a TV series other than the amount of time that you happen to be working? Uh, yeah, and, and deadlines and things like that. It's definitely like a, a timeline thing. Like uh, TV is exceptionally difficult because of the short timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things move very, very quickly, which doesn't mean you have a lot of time to... It just means you have to have like a really good supervising art director that knows how to schedule things and construction people and all that sort of stuff who are really on the ball and can move fast. So do you still get the sense that you have more chance to go into more detail on a feature film than you would on a TV show? Yeah, I just think just the nature of doing a feature film where it's one script as opposed to say 10 scripts, you know, it's 10 hours of content versus, you know, an hour and a half or two hours or three hours or whatever it is. It's still 10 hours that you have to do. So yeah, the, the timelines are completely different. It makes it a lot, a lot more difficult. But um, doesn't mean there hasn't been some, you know, there's a lot of shows that do it and do it really well and are still still really well designed and you know visually stunning. But uh, somehow they managed to do it ten times over, <laughs> which is very impressive. Well, Nate, thank you very much for joining me and talking about uh, the interesting world of the art department. Sure. Some light on that. I hope it was somewhat interesting. Yeah. <laughs> This episode is produced by Christian Diaz-Duran, Diraj Warren, and Michael Stringer. For future episodes, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts from.